take a look at chapter two, verses uh, one to nine, uh, which is a continuation from what we did uh, in chapter one, which also dealt with the priests uh, in the second part. And in verses one to nine, we'll see uh, what is the charge uh, that is given to the priests and what is the chastisement when they are negligent uh, to the duties that are given to them. And verse four to seven uh, speaks about the ideal qualities uh, of priests. And verses eight to nine uh, identifies uh, four failures of priests and what was the consequence. And as we apply it to our own lives, we, we can see what has changed uh, after Christ and the cross, uh, what happened to the role of priests. And we can also see how this passage relates uh, to today, today's church and also to us as uh, believers. So before we get into this passage, uh, we'll just take a few slides on, on the background of Levites and priests because uh, these passages are connected to the priests. So it's good to know a little bit of the context uh, before we get to the passage. Okay, so we saw in the book of Deuteronomy also when we talked about the Levites, uh, we see that the origin can be traced uh, to the tribe of Levi, which would be uh, the third son of Jacob. Uh, that we read in uh, Genesis uh, 29, 34. So that would be the son that Jacob had uh, with Leah. Uh, but we also see that they were not uh, perfect. Uh, they were violent. Uh, we read about the incident in Genesis uh, 34, uh, where they killed the men of Shechem because uh, to avenge the rape uh, of their sister Dina. So we know that Jacob had 12 sons and also he had one daughter. And uh, there was this incident of rape and Levi went after them and they killed many people uh, as a revenge. And we also see in the story of Joseph that Levi was part of the brothers uh, who were engaged in their conspiracy uh, to kill Joseph. So we see that the if we, when we trace the line back all the way to Levi, they were not perfect. Uh, they were also human. They also had uh, deficiencies. But just like the Lord chose uh, the nation of Israel, uh, in the same way he chose uh, the Levites uh, to be uh, the priesthood uh, to come from. And when we go to Genesis uh, chapter 49, uh, we see the prophecy of Jacob uh, on his deathbed. Uh, he says that since the Levites were violent, uh, tracing it back to Genesis 34, uh, his prophecy is that the Levites uh, will be scattered. And when we went through the book of Deuteronomy, we saw that that prophecy was fulfilled because uh, Levites, uh, they did not uh, inherit a land. Uh, instead, uh, they were scattered uh, throughout the promised land, uh, which, was, uh, which was a blessing to the people of Israel because they had priests uh, in different parts uh, of Canaan. But that was again a fulfillment of the prophecy. And Moses and Aaron, they both were from the tribe of Levi. And uh, Aaron and his sons, uh, they were chosen uh, to be priests. So we see that the priesthood uh, came from Aaron. And when we trace it uh, even back, uh, it goes back to the third son of Jacob, which was Levi. So Aaron was the first uh, high priest of Israel. And we also read about uh, Aaron's uh, four sons, uh, Nadab, Ebu, Eliezer, and Ithamar, and they were also given the priesthood based on Aaron. And Eli was uh, actually from the tribe of Ethamar, but 
of course, that stopped uh, because of Eli's negligence. Uh, the tribe stopped there. And we also read about Aaron's grandson, uh, Phineas, uh, who was who actually took a stand for the Lord. And we'll take a look at that passage briefly. And we also read in Numbers 18 that uh, all Levites uh, were not uh, high priests. So that was an uh, office that was given to a select uh, group, which was Aaron uh, and his children. And if you read from verse 6 of Numbers 18, it says, And I behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel, uh, to you, they are given as a gift uh, for the Lord uh, to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So obviously there is a lot of work uh, that needed to be done uh, at the tabernacle or at the temple. Uh, so the Levites were engaged uh, in many of the activities uh, surrounding the tabernacle and surrounding the temple. But the office of the high priest uh, was given to Aaron and his sons. So it says in verse 7, Numbers 18, Therefore thou and thy son with thee shall keep your priest's office for everything of the altar and within the veil, which is the holy of holies, and ye shall serve. I have given your priest's office unto you as a service of gift, and the stranger that cometh nigh uh, shall be put to death. So it is a gift uh, from God. Uh, it is an appointment from God, or we can say it is a calling uh, from God. And God is the one uh, who's making the choice. And we see that throughout the scriptures, uh, it is God who picks a people, not based on their background, but because uh, it is God's desire, it is God's uh, choice. And Exodus 28.1 uh, lists the four sons of Aaron uh, that we mentioned. And even this Sunday, we heard uh, the privileges uh, of the high priest, which would be Aaron and his sons. Uh, so they could enter the most uh, holy place uh, once a year uh, on the Day of Atonement. And when we look at the tabernacle, we see three distinct uh, places. Uh, we have the outer court, uh, which is where the sacrifices are made uh, by the priests and the Levites. Uh, then we have the holy place, which is where we see the golden lampstand, uh, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense. And we have the most uh, holy place. Uh, which is the uh, where the Ark of the Covenant uh, is found. And only the high priests uh, could enter that most holy place once a year. And they would initially uh, cleanse themselves and also seek uh, forgiveness for everyone before uh, entering the most holy place. And the high priests, they also had the privilege uh, of discovering uh, the will of God. So in a sense, uh, they were the messengers of God, and people will come to them uh, uh, to discover God's will and also to find uh, God's ruling on different uh, subjects. And we've seen this before, the provision for the Levites and the priests, uh, since they did not inherit uh, any land, but obviously they have to live uh, in a place. Uh, so they were allotted 48 cities. Uh, within the uh, land of Canaan so that they could raise their families. And we see that the Levites were supported by the Israelites who gave 10% uh, uh, to the Levites. So that could be seen uh, as a tithe that came from the Israelites uh, to the Levites. And, and the Levites in turn 
uh, gave 10% of what they received uh, to Aaron's sons. And obviously they also received a portion of all the offerings uh, that were made. So we see uh, the tithing uh, can be traced back uh, also to the uh, to the Levites. Yeah. So we'll just take a look at two more uh, incidents. We uh, see that when the Levites or the priests, uh, when they took the Lord's site or when they made the right uh, decision, uh, they were blessed. But when they uh, disobeyed or when they go went against uh, God's plan, uh, God also punished them. So these are two examples where uh, they stood by God or they took uh, the Lord's side and God blessed them. Uh, the first one is the incident that happens when the uh, golden calf was made and people were dancing and uh, worshipping the golden calf. And we see that uh, it was the Levites uh, who stood with Moses and they were willing to slay their brothers and their own community members uh, in obedience to God and in obedience to Moses. So that's recorded in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 32, uh, verses 25 through 29. Okay, so we see that uh, obedience to God uh, always uh, comes with blessing, but obedience to God uh, is not easy. Uh, even as we see in this incident, uh, Moses is challenging them, uh, who is on the Lord's side, and the sons of Levi, they step uh, forward. And the task uh, that is given to them uh, is not easy. Uh, they are to go and slay their brothers, their friends, and their neighbors. Uh, but the Levites are willing to do that in obedience to their leader and to God. And in exchange, uh, we see that they are blessed uh, in that passage. And the second one is also similar, uh, where again, the priest, which is Aaron's uh, grandson, uh, Phineas, uh, he also takes a stand and he uses a javelin to kill the uh, Israelite man and the Midianite women uh, as they were uh, in adultery. And the Bible says uh, adultery is punishable by death, and so is idolatry. So that's what was going on in that passage. If you go back and read uh, Numbers uh, 25, uh, that chapter, but we'll just read a few verses here, uh, verses 10 through 13, yeah. Maybe someone can read, or I can read. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, uh, Phineas, uh, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was jealous of my sake among them, that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and the seed after him, uh, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement uh, for the children of Israel. So here again, we see that he is very bold and he is willing to take a stand uh, for the Lord and he is willing to eradicate the sin uh, that has crept uh, in the community. So we see that uh, anytime we take a stand for the Lord, uh, it may be something that is not uh, popular, it may not be something that is accepted, but God is the one uh, who is taking a note uh, of our behavior, of our decisions, and of our actions. And here again, see we see the blessing that is given to this uh, priesthood, uh, which is the covenant of the everlasting priesthood. And there is a mention of covenant of peace, uh, even in Malachi chapter 2, 
So maybe it can be traced uh, to this uh, incident. But we also see that when the priests uh, disobeyed, uh, there was punishment, uh, as we see with two sons of Aaron in Leviticus uh, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, uh, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered a strange fire before the Lord. So the emphasis is on strange fire that is offered before the Lord which was not uh, sanctioned by God. And as a result, we read in verse 2, and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died uh, before the Lord. So we see that God takes uh, obedience uh, very seriously, and oftentimes uh, we tend to be negligent in obeying God 100%. Uh, we might be doing uh, certain things, but we may not be fully uh, following the Lord. And when we do that, uh, there is always the danger that God will punish us uh, or God will uh, chastise us because of our disobedience. And we saw this in the book of Deuteronomy, the role of uh, the priest uh, or the Levites. Uh, they would carry the ark. They would stand and minister uh, to the Lord. They would bless his name. So a lot of what they did was connected uh, to the worship. And they would also be the intercessor and offer sacrifices. And Malachi uh, is picking up on this, as we saw in chapter 1. Uh, they were not offering the right uh, sacrifice. Uh, even though they were offering sacrifices, uh, they were offering blemished sacrifices. And we also see that uh, one more role of the Levite priest was to judge, uh, as we read in Deuteronomy 17.9. And that's again picked up uh, in chapter 2 of Malachi, where they are guilty of being partial uh, as a judge. And the priests, they also took on the role, uh, just like kings, they would encourage those who are going to battle. And that would also be connected uh, to their role as interceding with God, that they would have victory in battles. And also we saw in Deuteronomy 33.10, that one of their role uh, was to teach. And Malachi picks up on this in chapter 2, that they were not good uh, at giving instructions. Uh, they were not good at holding people accountable uh, to a high standard. So we see that even though the priesthood can be traced uh, all the way to Aaron and maybe going back all the way to Jacob's son, but over time we see that many of the priests had become corrupt and a lot of idolatry and we also see immoral behavior, uh, which is addressed in the second part of chapter 2, uh, because uh, they were being influenced by pagan cultures uh, because of uh, intermarriage or due to relationships uh, with heathen. And because of that, a lot of problems had crept uh, into their personal life. And if our personal life is corrupted, then obviously... Uh, we bring the same problems uh, to the church, and that is what was happening here. And Malachi is trying to address these issues uh, in this chapter. So that is where uh, the Malachi started, which is the burden of God uh, due to the failure of priests. So we saw in chapter 1, 6 through 14, uh, that the priests were uh, accepting and offering uh, blemished uh, sacrifices. And we'll see uh, in chapter 2, 1 through 9, uh, that they failed to honor 
the expectations that came uh, with the office of priesthood. And the second part of chapter two in Malachi speaks about uh, priests uh, who are priests and people who are guilty of divorce and marrying uh, pagan women and bringing idolatry uh, into that community and into the temple itself. So we'll start with uh, verses one through three, uh, where we can uh, see uh, what is the charge uh, that was given to the priests and what is the chastisement uh, when they fail to follow the charge that is given to them. Yeah. Okay, so we saw that the priests were uh, chosen by God and they were also appointed by God. And if that is the case, the priests uh, should be subject to God uh, they should play by the rules uh, that were set by God. And that is what we're reminded here. So it's clear from verse one that it is directed uh, to the priest. It says, Oi, priest, uh, this commandment is for you. And what they're expected is they're expected to hear uh, from God. They're expected to lay it to heart, which means uh, whatever they hear, uh, they should retain or they should keep it in their heart. Uh, they should meditate upon it, and they should apply the truth, and they should give glory uh, to God's name. And it goes on to say in verse 2, uh, if you do not do all of these, uh, you will invite uh, God's wrath. And the same uh, charge uh, is also given to us. Uh, we need to hear God's word, as we saw in Deuteronomy 6, and we need to keep it in our heart. Uh, apply it in different uh, situations. And at the end, uh, the life that we live uh, should be a witness uh, to God. Uh, it should bring glory uh, to God's name. But oftentimes, uh, we are not able to hear uh, because our hearts are hardened or we are living a life of sin. So the truth of God's word uh, is not able to penetrate uh, into our hearts and into our mind. Uh, because the sin or our disobedience uh, is blocking the truth. And we also see that uh, words uh, that we receive uh, are lost uh, when we are careless. So we might be hearing a lot of words. Uh, we might be reading a lot of scriptures. But uh, when we are careless, uh, it doesn't really reach our heart uh, because uh, it's there is no retaining happening. So in Psalm 119.11, uh, the psalmist read, writes, Thy word have I hid in my heart. And by hiding God's word in his heart, he goes on to say that I may not sin against you. So if the word of God is not uh, hid or retained in our heart, uh, there are more chances of falling into temptations and falling into sin. And I like this about Samuel in 1 Samuel 3.19. Uh, it says, Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his word uh, fall to the ground. So if you go back and read chapter 3, uh, it says that the word of God was precious uh, in those days. And when the word was given to Samuel, uh, we see that uh, he kept that word, and nothing fell to the ground, or nothing was lost. And obviously, we cannot give glory to God's name, because oftentimes uh, we are looking uh, for personal glory uh, rather than trying to glorify God with our life and our actions. So uh, verse 2 and 3 goes on to uh, 
say uh, what would be the chastisement uh, when the priests uh, disobey the call or disobey the charge uh, that is given to them. Uh, it says uh, instead of blessings, uh, they would be cursed and their blessings or their sacrifices and their gifts, uh, they are not accepted, but rather they turn uh, into curse and their seed uh, is corrupted, which means uh, the curse uh, will continue uh, to the next uh, generation. So we see that uh, in the life of Eli, uh, God did not like uh, his leadership. Uh, God did not like the way he dealt with his sons. And we saw that the priesthood uh, did not continue uh, in that uh, generation. And the third one is very extreme. So it could be uh, it could be an image or it could be real. We don't know, but it speaks about uh, the dung being put on their faces. So these would be the uh, disposable elements uh, of the sacrifices that people are bringing. Uh, they, they would not be offered at the altar. They would be kept outside the temple. And the Lord is saying uh, these uh, elements, uh, which are like dung, uh, they would be thrown on the faces of the priests. Uh, but the fourth one is more uh, like warning, where it says the priests uh, will be disposed of uh, with the dung. So just like the dung is left outside the temple, uh, it goes on to say in verse 3, and one of one shall take you away with it, which means uh, they would lose their position, they would lose their priesthood, uh, they would lose their respect uh, because they would be uh, taken out of the camp. And Exodus uh, 29, 11 through 14, uh, we won't read the whole thing, but we'll just read verse 13. It says, And thou shalt take all the fat that covereth the inwards, and the cowl that is above the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat, that is upon them and burn them upon the altar. So we see that the good things are being burnt uh, upon the altar. And verse 14 says, But the flesh of the bullock and the skin and his dung uh, shall thou burn with fire without the camp or outside the camp. So that could be the reference here. Uh, the things that are waste, wasteful, they are burnt uh, outside. And God is saying, uh, telling the priests uh, that if they do not uh, follow the charge uh, that is given to them, uh, what was a waste uh, will be thrown on their face. And just like uh, dung is burnt outside the camp, they also would be taken outside the camp or outside the temple, and they would lose their status, they would lose their position. Okay, so priests were told what to do, but they failed to obey. Uh, so when we go to the Bible, we see that God is always uh, highlighting our failures. He is always uh, highlighting our shortcomings. But the intent uh, is not to condemn us. Uh, it is always to bring us back uh, to a point of uh, confession and point of uh, repentance. So that is God's work uh, in the life of a believer. Uh, all of us uh, fall short of God's expectation. So God uses uh, different ways. Uh, he may use uh, trials. Uh, he may use uh, difficult seasons in our life, uh, not to condemn us, but always uh, to bring us back uh, to confession and repentance uh, so that the relationship uh, can be restored. So in this case, uh, the priests, uh, once they are made aware of their shortcomings, uh, they should confess their failures 
of not uh, hearing God, not depositing God's word in their heart, and not glorifying God. And when they do that, uh, Bible reminds us that when we repent, and God will be merciful, and he will forgive us of our sins and our past behavior. And we also read uh, in Deuteronomy that whenever uh, there is disobedience, uh, it leads to curses. So Deuteronomy chapter 28, we saw that in verses 1 through 14, uh, there are blessings. Uh, but from 15 to 35 uh, of Deuteronomy 28, uh, we see that when there is uh, disobedience, uh, all of these blessings are reversed uh, into curses or reversed into chastisement or reversed uh, into punishment. And it says all of these curses uh, shall come upon you and overtake you. So uh, eventually a day will come when curses will be before us uh, rather than blessing. Yeah. In Psalm 23, we read that uh, surely blessings will follow all the days of our life. So when we obey God, the blessings will follow all the days of our life. But when we live a life of disobedience, then eventually uh, the curses or chastisement or punishment uh, will come upon us and it will overtake us. And in verses uh, 4 through 7, uh, we see a glimpse of what is the character of priests that God uh, expected. So here, uh, it is inserted here uh, in, in chapter 2 so that we can see the contrast uh, between what God expected and what was actually happening uh, during that time. Okay, so that's verses 4 through 7. And we saw this phrase, uh, covenant of life and peace, uh, in the context of Aaron's uh, grandson, Phineas, when he took a stand and threw a javelin uh, to deal with the sin of adultery and idolatry. And we see that same uh, phrase uh, used here. So we can maybe make that connection that God is pointing out uh, the standard of priests uh, during those days and what was happening in the current uh, situation. So these are uh, some of the qualities uh, that are mentioned here uh, for godly priests or Levites. Uh, they would have reverence or fear uh, for God. So this would be a fear that is uh, based on respect uh, for God. Uh, it is not a fear uh, like being afraid of God, but it is a fear that is inspired by respect. Uh, just like a son would honor his father uh, out of reverence. And we also read uh, that the for the priest, uh, there should be truth uh, in his mouth and there should be no iniquity uh, in his lips. So if you want to deliver uh, God's message as a prophet uh, or as a priest, uh, we should simply deliver God's message uh, in its uh, unadulterated form. There should be no editing. Uh, there should be no changes from what God is uh, telling us to do. And we also read uh, that they walked in peace and equity, or it speaks about their character of integrity. And they turned uh, people from iniquity or sin. So that was the focus uh, of the message, uh, that when they're speaking and interacting with people, that they're always drawing people to God. They're always drawing people to confess their sins and to maintain the right uh, relationship uh, with the Lord. And we see that uh, even in the New Testament, that is the focus uh, of the gospel uh, to 
draw people from a life of sin, uh, draw, to draw them to Christ and to life. And we also see that the priests, they possessed uh, the knowledge of the word and uh, they were sought by people because of the knowledge uh, of God's word uh, that they had and the character that they had and the relationship that they had with God uh, attract, attracted people uh, to the priests. So this was the ideal uh, situation, but obviously uh, the priests have become corrupted uh, over time. So we see that God holds the leaders uh, to high standards and the priests were supposed to teach and to lead people to holiness uh, and to keep the temple holy. But what we are finding is that the priests were not faithful uh, in their role, uh, neither in teaching or leading people to holiness. So there was a lot of compromise uh, that was happening within the temple, uh, even as we saw last week uh, with the blemished uh, sacrifices. And we see that when God's uh, leaders fall, uh, God will render their work uh, unprofitable and worthless. And because of the weakness or because of the failures of the leaders, uh, we see that it not only affects them, but it also affects uh, God's uh, children. So that is why the message of Malachi is strong uh, to the priests because of the impact. And the last two verses, uh, it identifies uh, four failures of the priests and what are the consequences. Yeah. In the previous section, we saw what was the expectation for the Levites. Uh, but worse weight uh, says that but, which means they have departed or they have shifted gears. And because of that, in verse 9, we see what would be the uh, consequence. So we can see uh, four uh, failures uh, here in verse 8, uh, 8 and 9. Uh, they have drifted uh, from God's ways or God, the path that God had set. And secondly, they have led others astray and caused them to stumble. So as Levites, uh, they were supposed to teach and to hold people to a high standard. But what they were doing was compromising and leading uh, people astray. And they corrupted uh, the covenant of Levite that was there. And as a judge, uh, they were partial in applying the law uh, or in their role as judges. So those are the four failures uh, that are identified in chapter four and eight. And when we look at the leaders of today's churches, uh, we see uh, similar failures. Uh, in many churches, we see that the leaders are drifting away from God's ways, or they are presenting God's word in a very diluted way or in a compromised way. And instead of teaching the truth, uh, they are causing uh, people to stumble uh, by having low standards, and they are corrupting the covenant that is made uh, with the leaders, and they might be partial in applying the law or in dealing with people, uh, in dealing with different situations. Uh, instead of uh, the truth, uh, they might be biased. And the consequence is what we read in verse 9. Therefore, have I also made you uh, contemptible and base before uh, all the people. So, so the consequence is the priests, uh, they would lose their status uh, they will lose their position of respect 
And that is consistent with what we read uh, in chapter three, that they would be taken out and the dung would be thrown in their faces or they will be put to shame uh, publicly and they would be taken out. And we've seen uh, many leaders fail uh, in church and many of them have been put to shame uh, publicly. Uh, so, so we know that God takes it uh, seriously uh, in terms of our calling and our appointment. That brings us to the end. So we can see uh, how the cross and how Christ uh, has changed uh, the role of priests and how it applies uh, to today's church. So when we come to the New Testament, we see that uh, we don't really need a human priest. Uh, we don't need a high priest. Uh, even though we see that practice uh, even today uh, in many uh, Catholic churches and also in many other churches where they would have uh, a person uh, identified as a priest and people tend to go to them uh, to make the confession, uh, although the Bible is very clear uh, in the New Testament that we don't need uh, a human priest. Uh, Christ uh, is our high priest and he is our access uh, to God. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, uh, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man uh, Christ Jesus. So it doesn't say a human, uh, it doesn't say a priest or a pope or uh, anyone who is appointed by man or church, uh, but it simply says the mediator uh, is Lord Jesus Christ uh, who has been appointed. And Hebrews 4.14 uh, also reminds us, seeing then that we have a great uh, high priest uh, that has passed uh, into the heavens, uh, Jesus, uh, the Son of God. And also when we look uh, at the incident uh, during the crucifixion of Christ, uh, we read in Matthew uh, 27.51 uh, that when Jesus uh, died on the cross, uh, the curtain that was separating uh, the holy and the most holy place where only the high priest could go uh, once a year. Uh, that curtain was torn, uh, again signifying that when Lord Jesus Christ uh, sacrificed himself on the cross, uh, he opened the way for all of us and there is no need for uh, sacrifice. So Christ uh, became the final and the ultimate and the perfect uh, sacrifice. And because of that sacrifice, uh, all of us can approach God uh, directly uh, through the power of the blood. Okay, so uh, Hebrews uh, is a good book to read, uh, to read about Lord Jesus Christ uh, as our high priest. And here it mentions a new and a living way that was uh, opened for us uh, through the veil, uh, which is not the physical curtain, uh, but through his flesh or the sacrifice that was made. Uh, at the cross. And uh, Hebrews 7, 11 through 17, uh, it also speaks about the priesthood uh, of Lord Jesus Christ. For in verse 14 of chapter 7, for it is evident that our Lord Jesus uh, sprang out of Judah. So Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he did not come uh, from the tribe of Levi. Uh, he came from the tribe of Judah, uh, of which tribe Moses spake nothing uh, concerning uh, priesthood. Uh, so some would say that even though the everlasting priesthood was established through Aaron going back to Levi, but Lord Jesus Christ came uh, from a different tribe, which is the tribe of Judah. And it goes on to say in verse 15, 
And it is yet far more evident for that after the uh, similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth uh, the water priest forever uh, after the order of Melchizedek. To end here, uh, we see that uh, there is a high calling of priests. And that is why Malachi is bringing it to our attention. But when we translate it uh, to today, uh, we can say that the same high calling uh, applies uh, to the leaders of churches, uh, to the leaders of different uh, ministries. And by default, uh, it is also the same high calling uh, that is expected of all believers. So, so we are also part of the chosen uh, generation. Uh, we are also part of the royal priesthood. And what the Lord is reminding us uh, through the book of Malachi, through the passages that we've been reading, that just like there is a high calling expected of the priests, uh, the same thing is expected of us as believers. And if we fail to meet those high standards, we would also uh, lose our blessings and we are also in the same danger uh, of chastisement and punishment. So any uh, position that is uh, appointed by God, when God calls us uh, to serve him, uh, it comes uh, with a high calling and high responsibility of being obedient uh, to God's word, uh, being good stewards of what is uh, committed uh, to us, and to bring uh, commitment and character, and to do everything for uh, his glory. So that is why the priests uh, were being uh, chastised or being called to attention. And we'll just read a few verses, then close. Uh, in James uh, 3.1, it says, My brethren, uh, be not uh, many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. So it's reminding us that when we are doing the Lord's work, uh, we are also... Uh, subject to higher standards. So that is coming as a warning. Even as we saw in the life of Moses, uh, he was held uh, to a very high standard. And in Titus uh, chapter 1, uh, 7 through 9, uh, it speaks about the qualities of a leader, but we can also translate that uh, to a qualities of anyone who's doing the Lord's work. And all of us are called to do the Lord's work. And if that is the case, uh, we should maintain a high standard. And in 1 Peter 2.9, uh, it reminds us the calling of all believers that we are a chosen generation and we are a royal priesthood that ye should show forth the praise, praises of him who has called you out of darkness uh, into marvelous light. And when we go back to Exodus 19 and verse 3, uh, we see the original calling of Israelites was that all of them uh, should be priests. And, and that is the same expectation of all believers uh, when we come to the New Testament. So in Exodus 19.3, it says, And Moses uh, went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, uh, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, 
then you would be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, and ye shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So that was the original calling, but we know that soon after that, uh, even though the people of Israel said they would obey and keep the covenant, uh, they were guilty of idolatry, they made the golden calf, and they disobeyed. So they didn't keep the covenant, and as a result, we see they also lost uh, the priesthood that was that would have come to all of them. So in the same way, in our own lives, uh, we can lose a lot of blessings uh, when we are not faithful to what the Lord has taught us uh, from the scriptures.